everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Soccer. I'm your host, here to give you your female perspective, which is what you have me for um, at, when you don't have articles from me, MLS female. Uh, joining me today is ACB Conway Christian. Thanks for being on, buddy. It is my absolute honor and pleasure to uh, help out as best I can. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, we need all the help we can coming off of four losses now. Um, it's, it's been not that, that many already. Jeez. <laughs> I know. I know. But honestly, like I said, there would be nobody else that I'd rather talk to after a, a second loss at home. And let's be honest, because it was to Colorado. That's why it stung so bad. Um, <laughs> but I get ahead. So, uh, Chris, tell everybody about yourself. Uh, so I have been a Galaxy fan for... 10 to 11 years now. I'm trying to suss out the exact date, but um, uh, yeah, I've been just following the Galaxy for that long. I live in San Diego, so I'm that crazy person that drives two hours to most home games. Um, you can find me on Twitter generally sharing bad takes about the Galaxy or dance music culture or stuff like that um, at Transpants121. I always feel like I need to sh- like explain the Twitter handle because... Um, I'm super into electronic music, stuff like that. So all of the other Twitter handles that would be, I guess, normal and reasonable were all taken. So I kind of ran with it. Um, and yeah, it's become my kind of my kind of bag. Um, so you can always find me either uh, when I show up early to a game, which is rare. Um, I'm, in <laughs> lot, I'm in lot 13 or otherwise in uh, 121. Um, always down to talk about the Galaxy, about any other random topics that you want to talk about. Um, I'm your guy, so I'm really excited. This is my podcast debut. I'm excited oh. for this. I know. Yes, I and you I asked like, me to be it. I know. I should, <laughs> I should have dressed up for the occasion. I should be wearing a tux or something. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad that you would feel so classy in my presence. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, how long you been part of ACB? Uh, ten years, because the first year, oh, wow. first year I was kind of young, so. Um, my parents went to a few games with me and they were like, you, you don't want to be a part of that. And then I being the contrarian that I am was like, I entirely want to be a part of that. And, uh, it's been from there on. So, well, the whole 90 minutes, I mean, I, I always stand in, in GA and like sit around there. Um, I like to be able to migrate and move around. Um, and oftentimes I'll join our friends, uh, you know, behind LA riot squad, but, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I've always admired ACB because they're right behind goal and, you know, they're big and loud and they do it for 90 minutes, which is the only reason I haven't jumped in because I'm not <laughs> sure that I can stand and cheer for 90 minutes without completely being dead. <laughs> yeah, the, the first few games of every season, I always kind of joke around that I need to get back into ACB shape where it's like I can go for 90 minutes because there's a solid like the first two, three games of the season are always a little dicey. Well, I end up like just standing at the top after like the 60th minute because I'm dead. Just exhausted, but by the time we get into midseason, you usually get into shape for it. So, <laughs> wow, that's awesome! Yeah, lots and lots of fun. So, um, yeah, what's not fun is losing. So, for people who don't know, ACB Conway and I always um, chat on Twitter, of course, with, with all our other wonderful friends. Um, it, it is quite the, the the Galaxy family, and so Galaxy Twitter is awesome. As it is. It really like if you're not a part, is. if you are not a part of Galaxy Twitter, get on it. It is really 
amazingly fun. <laughs> yeah, and you get to meet people in person or not. <laughs> That's true. But there's definite interaction though, and 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 when we're down like this is when we need each other. You know, we have each other during these during these times. Um, I'm not ready to hit the panic switch yet and say that my team is done for the season or anything like that. But I do think that if we are going to be contenders in the playoffs, we can't keep playing this way. Um, and I know you and I have always talked. And so I said, you know, you, I'm giving you the platform, um, obviously, and I'll give I'll jump in and, you know, as we go here. Yeah, but I'm so- excited to wait, to hear what you have to say. Yeah. So I agree 110% that we shouldn't be hitting the panic button just yet. If you look at the team that the Galaxy played in Colorado, I mean, they fired a head coach that came out and said, this talent pool that I've been given is the lowest in MLS possible. Like, this is ridiculous. I can't achieve anything with this. But if you look at Anthony Hudson's record before this or before before he got fired, it kind of doesn't make sense. And a lot of like the talent pool that he's been given, I mean, he's got Jonathan Lewis, who is a U.S. men's national teamer. Uh, they've got a very strong academy called Bassett, played particularly well against the Galaxy. Um, I mean, there's 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 talent on this roster. If you look at that starting eleven, I mean, they had Benny Failhaber for half the season this year. Um, I mean, they started uh, guys like Kellen Acosta, who's a former U.S. men's national teamer. Kai Kamara is a proven goal scorer in this league, and Jonathan Lewis is starting to kind of hit the stride uh, that a lot of teams thought he was going to hit. And you look at that that back line. I mean, uh, Declan Wynn kind of an unknown quantity uh, homegrown player. Um, but you've got uh, Lawless Abubakar, who actually played particularly well when he was in Columbus, and then Keegan Rosenberry, who was part of that really exciting young core in Philadelphia. The, this team is not bad on paper. It was a question of just kind of unlocking what they had. And I think Connor Casey, who is one of the most interesting characters in MLS this season for me as an uh, interim head coach because of what he achieved in Colorado um, when he was a player winning the 2010 MLS cup, uh, Connor Casey came out and said, I don't watch soccer. I, it bores me, which was kind of a bit of a bold statement. If you were going to become the interim head coach of this team, <laughs> you know, like right. if you're, you know, you're kind of a, you're, you're club legend with the Rapids and you know, you've, you've done all this stuff and you're on the coaching staff in some level because they, they did not name him as interim head coach. And he comes out and says like, Oh yeah, I, I haven't really watched a soccer game in a long time, except for the ones that we were involved with. And it's a bit interesting, but uh, Connor Casey also said something very interesting coming into this game where he said, we are better than our results indicate. And I think what we saw on the field was kind of a bit of a implicit agreement on that. Like they were a little bit better than the results indicated. That being said, this is a game the galaxy should have won and should have won very comfortably, especially in the way they played over the 90 minutes. Um, I wish I had answers for, I mean, we'll, we'll continue to dive into this match and we'll get for into sure. a lot of the systemic kind of stuff. But on, on the, on the surface of it, I mean, you talk about the galaxy six, one and oh, before this game at home, 13 goals scored, eight conceded, not great numbers in terms of goals scored and goals conceded, but in a league where home wins seem to be much more important because of the fact that the travel in this league is so difficult. These are the kind of games that you, you have to go out and you have to get three points in just no matter what. Um, so I'm not hitting the panic button just yet, just because I've seen teams in this league, Seattle, uh, circa 2000, what was the, what was the year? It was 2017 or 2016. 
where they were at the bottom of the table. They fired Siggy Schmidt. Brian Smetcher comes in and halfway through the season, um, and in a season that looked lost, drags them into the playoffs. They didn't play particularly beautiful soccer, but they got to an MLS Cup final and bunkered their way to an MLS Cup title. Yes. So I'm not hitting the panic button, but these are games where you sit there and you're like, these are the games you need to to hit out of the park. So it, it it's not concern, but it's generally a sense of quiet foreboding, I guess. For sure. I mean, everybody had gone. I mean, when I say everybody, I'm speaking for fans. Yeah. <laughs> and what I've seen on, on Galaxy Twitter and everybody that I know. Yeah, definitely. We, we thought this was in the bag uh, because because Colorado was last in the league and hadn't and hadn't won yet. Um, yes, we were coming off three losses. But again, you're right. Like those were uh, away games. I mean, the NYCFC won at home. That was a hard hitter. Um, but NYCFC know, has become, ever since they've added Air Bear and stuff like that, and, and Domi Toronto's kind of figured out what he wants to do with NYCFC. NYCFC has been a good team. Like, Yeah, well, I was expecting that game to be way better even than it was. I mean, honestly, I was a little bored. Yeah, true. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, because no, when, when NYCFC came, I, d- I, I did expect, like, contenders. Like, like really good, heartstrong, fought game. Um, you know, this match got physical really fast but that's not like a sign of um that fighting spirit and that urgency that the galaxy should have had it was instead it was like frustration definitely coming from the team it yeah it, it did feel like frustration and i in it kind of goes back to this larger point that i'm i'm starting to slowly kind of realize in my brain that i'm i'm not necessarily the happiest about which is that i think this team has a lot of fight it has a lot of drive it has a lot of i mean Shaloto coached at Boca Juniors, you don't, you know, become a Boca legend, you don't coach at Boca Juniors unless you can really instill that in a team. But I think it's, I guess the message has kind of not been received in the way it should be. There's no adherence to a tactical plan. It is, well, we've got fight, we've got grit, let's show it. And then where does the tactical kind of stuff come in is my, is my concern. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because, you know, well, I have a Spanish accent, so I say Esqueloto when I say his name. <laughs> <laughs> you that? Yeah, um, thank you. <laughs> Growing up in L.A. Um, but, yeah, no, um, definitely, you know, I, the lack of creativity, the lack of strategy, the servicing balls to Zlatan, I was, I was blaming on Escaloto, but now that we didn't have Zlatan because he got suspended, I really did think, okay, this is a chance for our guys to step it up. This is now where we're going to see. Um, now, you know, we got Fabio and um, Gonzalez and like these new guys, but everybody is new. And, and that's what I hope. This is why I'm also not hitting the panic switch is because the guys are still learning how to connect and how to gel. And I know that we got a good taste of it in Minnesota and people are saying, oh, well, uh, now that um, Alessandrini is out, like we we we've been we haven't won a point since since he's been gone, you know, outside of of Minnesota. And I'm just like, but look, all of these all of these changes that are being made, that's Escaloto's doing, Anticlose, and they're they're bringing in, like you said, really really good talent. Um, you know, when I when I looked at the starting eleven. I really thought, okay, it's okay. Like I was actually like kind of happy Zlatan wasn't there because now I thought, all right, these other guys are going to get chances to score. Instead, though, what I ended up seeing was that they were crossing balls to Boateng and <laughs> bless him, he's just short. Dude, like, he's, yeah. 
he can't make those headers, but my God, does he try, though. He will leap in the air and really try for that. And then Pontius got there, and, you know, I, I wasn't really sure that they were going to keep crossing. And then, then when they did cross, they they just—it just wasn't good. Yeah. Um, so the guys are just not connecting, and, you know, Leggett is— is having a rough time in that midfield. Jonah looked a little slow, even though post game said that he was feeling great. Um, I don't really, you know, but I feel like you have so many new pieces in the puzzle and everybody's just learning to connect. And um, I think, you know, you know, we as galaxy fans have really high standards, understandably. So, and I think that we should see ourselves as, as champions. Like you can't, be losing at home to teams like Colorado, but the last two seasons, this is this is how it's been for the Galaxy, and so you know people are are kind of traumatized for lack of a better word, you know, seeing that, and they're just like this feels too familiar. Um, I mean, you could just hear the rage in that entire stadium, and everybody though likewise was also cheering uh, for the team. Like till the last minute, we really believed that we were either going to win or equalize this thing. Um, and so, yeah, I really, I really, you know, I got to hand it to, to GBS, but also like people need to be patient. Like it, it really is all of these new pieces coming together and, and long-term if Zlatan stays or doesn't stay, we have to figure it out without him. And so let's say long-term you look at this roster and these guys that are on here, um, Fabio, and then of course Efren Alvarez when he comes in um, as a sub. Pontius, yeah. Efren had a good game yesterday, I thought. Yeah, oh, definitely, and and he's not afraid to sh- to shoot his shot. So same know? with Fabio, which I was. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Gonzalez did really well um, in that um, that late save. Uh, it was the 67th minute. He kept the ball off the line, emergency defending. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, that was wild. And so again, like Polenta, um, Corona, like I know it's hard for in Antuna, like for people to see, um, how they're going to work right now, but everybody's figuring it out. And everybody of course wants everything, instant gratification, instant results right now. But if you're looking long-term and you're thinking down the line, um, let's say Zlatan's not here next season, he doesn't sign on. I think I think that that's I think that's how Escaloto is looking at it. That that would be my guess. I think the plan, or as far as I've kind of seen the way that this roster is being built, is I think they are preparing for Zlatan to say he's not coming back next year. Yeah. And it wouldn't surprise me too, because I mean, if you look at what Zlatan's had to go through over the past three years, I mean, he tore not just his ACL, but he did his PCL and his LCL on that same leg. Like he did an incredible amount of damage to that leg, and you know. A lot of doctors said it was kind of a medical miracle. He's even playing right now. Um, yeah. And for him to even come back, what, it was like five months? And, you know, a and ACL tear. Yeah. yeah, an ACL tear was like eight months. Um, so for him, like, this is incredible. I I think it's ever the only undefeated force in, in our sport is is father time. And I think maybe we're starting to see a little bit of that with Zlatan this year, I think. Mm. Um, but uh, when you were talking about Antuna and Alvarez uh, – one thing that really struck me that I actually really think is a very big positive about this team right now is work rate. I mean, Antuna was everywhere. Mm-hmm. There were moments I I'm looking at my game notes and I literally have about seven or eight different times where I'm like, Antuna is now playing here. And I just, it didn't occur to me that like I, I had Antuna switching the wings for like the first 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And now I look back, I'm kind of like, 
that was just Antuna running. Like, Antuna would come yeah. with a blade of grass. Also, to be like, Antuna's playing left back, but he's not actually playing left back. Like, what's going on? Well, Polenta was marauding about up front. Um, so I think the work rate that Antuna showed is something that we have to really treasure and take and, and work with. Um, I mean, I think the dude works. Uh, I mean, the dude just works. It's incredible to me. Yeah, um, no, they were definitely hustling out there. On on the legit front, the legit front, to me, is just absolutely baffling because if you remember the January friendlies that the U.S. played, especially Leggett was probably the best player in both those games. Yes, he was absolutely fantastic. He, spark. he he wasn't afraid to take the ball in traffic, move forward with it, take guys on the dribble, find that pass. I don't know if it's something the way that GBS is utilizing him, or if it's just something in his head right now where he looks at the players around him and he doesn't feel he has the confidence to do that. Because whenever he takes the ball in traffic, he's kind of checking back. I'm looking for yeah. looking for JDS or looking for Corona and like trying to find that comfortable pass. I mean, if I'm legit, if I'm GBS, I'm trying to you know kind of become the legit whisperer, if you will. Um, <laughs> dude, just keep your head up and, and run. You have the skill and you have the talent. It's it's an interesting kind of thing. Um, this also of note was about the fifth different formation GBS has shown this season. Yeah, that to me indicates either he and, and, and again adding Fabio Alvarez to the mix does change things uh it's you know a new player a guy with a different skill set than you've had all season and I think Fabio Alvarez is going to come good I was very impressed in his debut mm-hmm. um but I just have a little bit of a concern that Shaloto is a little bit at his wits end with this roster and needs to kind of have time to clear house because yeah. if you're going five different lineups and I understand, and I understand, you know, you, you prepare for the game ahead of you, you prepare for the game in front of you and you watch film and you, you know, you don't have to pick a lineup just to pick a lineup to keep in the same formation, regardless of opponent. I mean, certain clubs do that. Obviously the most notable one is Barcelona on the four, three, three, but there also comes a point where you can tinker a little too much. And I worry that we almost are getting into that territory um, ever so slightly. Yeah, and I mean, also the rotation and resting our guys. Um, this team is definitely working on building that depth. Um, you know, Triori, I really was impressed with him. I know it was kind of a little soon to tell where he was going to fit as well. And then right when we start to like him, he gets injured. <laughs> and so, you know. Um, I, was at, I, mean, I was at that game at Rebel Arena where he got injured, and he didn't have the greatest of days, but I mean. Mm-hmm. Well, for the first time, we have outside back depth for the LA Galaxy, which, yeah. is, which is kind of nice in a weird way. Right? It is like this weird – I know. And, and that's why I said, like, yeah, I look at this roster, I mean, and you don't even see Shelvick as an option at all, um, you know. So this kind of gets that kind of – I know we were – we before we had uh, come on and when we talked about, uh, you know, doing this podcast, mm-hmm. we talked – there was this meta conversation that I think you and I were both kind of getting at, which is – I think Dennis DeClosa and Shaloto are operating in a team that has had three years of, I don't know if bad decision-making isn't necessarily the word. I mean, there, there were some awful decisions that uh, guys like Pete Hannes, Chris Klein, et cetera, made. There's no question right. in my mind about that. But I think we're expecting a lot out of Shaloto and DeClosa in a framework where they don't have a lot of room to operate. Because if you look at the contracts that, you know, a guy like Jorgen Schelvik is, is sitting on. I mean, he's sitting on, I think it's something like $1.6 million a year. Right. And I mean, which is it part of everybody's frustration when they're yelling at our team. It's like, you're paying this dude a million dollars and he's playing like 
We can bring somebody from LA Galaxy 2 and play better. And I mean, I understand kind of why he was almost given that contract. The Galaxy were in a position where, you know, our outside back depth kind of got cut halfway through that preseason because Robbie Rogers had the fateful ankle surgery that he'd never really recovered from due to uh, complications Mm -hmm. from it. And then your outside back depth was Ashley Cole and like Nathan Smith. You Mm -hmm. go and you go get a guy and a guy like Shkelvik who on paper, this should work. I mean, he was at Rosenberg. He was starting in the champions league. He was fantastically loved there. He was very well respected. And then he comes to the galaxy and just nothing. I mean, it it, flatlines and look, coming to the MLS is difficult. Oh, I just turned into a British dude. And I said the MLS, whoops. I Um, know. I realized that, but I was like, I'll let it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) But coming to MLS is incredibly, <laughs> incredibly difficult because it's the travel. Again, I, I I focus on travel. I think our league is just so unique on that. Um, yeah, definitely. You're, I mean, we're you're in a new country. Yeah. You're, and it's, you know, I mean, especially coming from a, a place where you don't speak English as a first language, et cetera. It's not easy. So I always, I always kind of give foreign signings about six to eight months mm. in the United States before I really start passing heavy judgment. But we've had to cover for a year and a half. We know what we're getting. And what we're getting is a guy that, has a lot of pace, but doesn't have a lot of defensive awareness and doesn't have a lot of just generally stuff that I could sit there and say, this is going to change the galaxy for the better. Well, and I feel like Escalado gave him his chances. He kept him on there. Entirely. Um, moved, yeah. him out, moved him out to left back, which is apparently his preferred position and kind of gave him the room to make a few mistakes early in Shiloto's system. Mm-hmm. And he just kept making mistakes yeah. <laughs> in Shiloto's system. Yeah, yeah. But it was well, in terms of in terms of the left back thing as well. Kind of circling back on that, I found it very interesting that he went with Polenta on that side. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and also, I mean, I realized that because uh, he Escaloto subbed a lot sooner, and I'm and I think he did a lot better in terms of subbing um, this match. But like in, in previous matches, I was always saying like, I know we don't really have anybody off the bench who's going to give us that spark you know, before Pontius came back and it was just like, but just make a sub, man. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think, I mean, Polenta, first off, Polenta got really lucky not to get sent off in this game. I thought that, yeah, yeah. that VAR oh, decision, <laughs> I'm a Galaxy fan. I have PTSD about VAR every single time it goes to VAR. We somehow seem to be on the wrong end of that decision. Um, but I mean, the, the five, three, Two is kind of the best way to. I think he, he look. He's got a lot of good center backs. He's got a lot of good outside backs. I just, I, I maybe the five three two is actually where we need to go with this team, just to let Polenta, because Polenta is an aggressive center back. Like he wants to get out on the front foot, mm-hmm. almost act as like a defensive midfielder at times. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe almost going to the five three two would spare those blushes in a l- couple of ways. But yeah, they pay they pay, they pay Shiloto for those decisions. They don't pay me so. Right, right. Well, and I'm hoping that Scalotto's going to figure it out. That's what I keep thinking. Like, that's what you keep saying. It's like, okay, here's what he's got. This is what he's got to work with, you know. And and I know that he does like the offensive play. Um, This, you know, the only problem with this was, um, at least by the the 82nd minute, what had happened was, you know, Bingen came out. um, He did save the ball, but then off the rebound is how Colorado got their goal. Um, I mean, you kind of saw that coming, though, okay? Like, Lewis had had his couple of chances, um, especially early in the, you know, like, in the second 
in the second half. Um, but Starez literally was standing there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you saw like two of our guys running with Colorado, three of Colorado's guys on the ball. And I could just see that we were going to lose this. I agree. Uh, yeah. And so think, like, yeah, the thing I have about Bingham and it's, it's just, I, again, I, when I played, I was a left winger. Um, I don't claim to know very much about goalkeepers. Um, so this is me kind of skating on the ice, if you will. Um, but I, every single time I've seen Bingham, um, I'm a huge hockey fan. And we always talk about in hockey, we talk about goalkeepers giving up rebounds. We talk about, you know, giving up rebounds in the slot where attackers and uh, on the who are crashing to net can actually score easy goals. Bingham for me does a little bit similar to what not to what some hockey goalkeepers do, which is they give up. He he'll make the first save, but it's the second and the third save where yeah. he'll put attackers into very good positions. And I don't know if it's necessarily that his defense has to be a little bit more aware of that and cover it, or if it's that Bingham's got to get a little bit better in terms of ensuring that that rebound goes out, you know, out wide or goes behind the goal, can see the corner, whatever you need to do. Um, I, I, I think Bingham's a good, I, I think Bingham's a good shot stopper. I just don't think he's got the complete package, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Um, yeah, absolutely. I agree because this is the second time. I think, I think it was either this, if it wasn't this last game, it was definitely a game before um, where they scored on a rebound just like that. And Okay, my point was like with Sarah standing right there, like literally, and even Bingham like whips around and yeah, kind of yells at him, like, dude, like you should have had that too, well, you Bingham, know. Bingham's got to save face, so yeah, yeah, <laughs> I don't right. <laughs> him. No, absolutely, and again, that but that's been our problem, especially yeah. with Sarah's right there. But who else are you going to put right there? So, and I thought Sarah's has been pretty solid for the first what are we week eleven? Yes, and that's what I was going to say too. Was that yes, yes, Sturz? he's. Yukerman Yukerman has been our best defender. Yeah, and yeah. Oh. I, <laughs> I can just like, hear our friend Jamie going because <laughs> I know she wants to put Romney there. I'm um, waiting for the text. <laughs> I, I know, right? <laughs> Wait for it. I'm um, Jamie. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Thanks. Hey. Um, yeah, and then and then a lot of people were blaming Felcher for for this. You know, I mean, I felt like Legette was getting him balls and he was getting those crosses in to to get the shots um i understand where he again missed but that's been our defense's issue this is not again these guys are are gelling and they're learning it's not that they don't have talent it's like it's it all is like the build-up you know um in fact that goal going all the way back i feel that pontius lost that ball Agreed. um you know yeah uh, i don't know why he was trying to play it through he usually plays a lot better than that and then he just lost possession and then they ran the other way with it and that's how they ended up scoring and the thing i have about filter in this game is that i looking over my game notes again there was a lot of moments where filter was almost like a third striker in a lot of ways he was getting in the box he was getting on the end of yeah. stuff which was interesting um mm. He had a header, and I think it's I think his man bun just didn't let him actually get his head <laughs> to the ball. Um, if any of you listeners have a man bun, I please lop it off. Um, I was gonna say I know Zlatan <laughs> can pull it off, but it's Zlatan. Like. Kenny, Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, now he's gonna show up to my house and choke me out. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, but anyway, dude, I'm just kidding. That's game one. We we still have another game of suspension, but no, I thought I thought Felcher. I don't think Felcher's been the root of problems this year because last year Felcher would make some very elementary mistakes. I think Felcher's really cleaned his game up. I mean, 
kind of the one gripe that I have with Felcher is that the dude just can't seem to stay healthy no matter what he does. That's uh, what I was going to say. Like, we missed him when he was out. Yeah, I mean, he comes back from, I think, like, last season, I mean, he comes back from a, a routine kind of knee extension kind of thing out for two weeks, and then he tears his pectoral muscle in, like, this freak kind of way. You know, yeah. like, it's, I mean, Felcher again, kind of just unlucky on a lot of the injuries. But I think Felcher probably had his best game um, in a Galaxy jersey that I can really kind of point to and say, yeah, that was good yesterday. My concern is that it came against Colorado. <laughs> exactly. Well, and then the other thing is it's not like, well, at the end of the day, the the stats were the same, that the, that the Galaxy and Colorado both had um, six shots on goal. So I see that. Um Colorado shouldn't even be getting those kinds of chances. Um, you know, like, yes, we give credit to the team where credit is due. Obviously Howard, um, kept it scoreless for the first half. Um, definitely, you know, um, it's just, our guys were, were getting shots, but they were, they were right to Howard's hands. They were, they were low percentage chances. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, again, it's, it's this thing where it's, if Zlatan isn't on the field, there doesn't seem, it seems to be the plan is like, Oh, we're just going to play like Zlatan's on the field, but I don't know how it like, I mean, you're crossing to Emmanuel Boateng and I love the man. Emmanuel Boateng's fantastic. Great person. Great player. Mm-hmm. He's five, four. Yeah. He's not got the aerial range. Like a guy like Zlatan has like, right. I mean, I always go down to my favorite, my favorite short person header goal of all time. is Lionel Messi in that champions league final against Manchester United in Rome. Where he did the the, the cleat phone celebration it was awesome, but I mean, <laughs> Lionel Messi got up there, but Lionel like that's like one time ever in his career. Like Boateng's not going to do that. Like, but he'll try to. But yeah, that, which that's I appreciate. So, yes, we appreciate. But it's like, well, and then that's the argument is that Boateng shouldn't be starting either. Um, I do see him as a as an off the bench spark for sure. Um, but you're right that the Galaxy just didn't seem to have any direction. They looked confused. Um, we've seen this. Um, I, I don't know what they did when we played Minnesota because they seem to have figured it out. Uh, yeah, that's what, and that's what's so frustrating in there. About, this is what's yeah. so frustrating about this game is that if you compare it to the Minnesota game, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Like they, they played incredibly well against a Minnesota team that on paper is better than this Colorado team knew how had incisive moments. Yeah. They conceded too, but I mean, this galaxy defense is not great. Um, right. but they had incisive moments. They knew what they were doing. And this, it just, it, it, it looked like they were kind of almost walking through molasses at some point. They just didn't, yeah. there was no, there was intensity, even, but there was no incisiveness. Yes. Even Jonathan looked slow in, in the end. And I was, and I didn't think he was tired. Like I said, um, and he was wearing the captain band, which is what everybody was calling for. Um, Cause honestly, we think that he would make a better captain than Zlatan. So I will be the leader of that bandwagon until I fucking die. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So it's like, man, what is going on here? Why can't we get our buddy (laughs) Jonathan to like, you know, but he can't carry the whole team is the other thing. not at all. Um, But that's what we were looking for yesterday was that midfield tearing it up, you know, um, because he, I mean, obviously taking free kicks and and he did move the ball forward. but I wanted to see more, yeah, him taking shots. Again, I, I, I keep going back to this thing where I, I think the Galaxy are operating in a framework that has been very reactionary versus proactive over the past three years. 
because a lot of what I have seen, especially when um, when Bruce left and the entire power structure was named where Chris Clem was going to be president, uh, Colonel Alpha was going to be head coach, and they were going to serve under Piva Hainis as GM and Jovan Kravosky as well, was I understand kind of the, the plan was to get the academy gets going and like, you know, short-term pain, long-term gain, but they didn't let that short-term pain happen. They fired Onalfo after kind of a bit of a convincing series of results. He was winning road games. He just couldn't win at home. But, and then they brought in Siggy and, you know, Siggy, of course, uh, may, may he rest in peace and, and everything that he meant to the club, it made absolute sense in a way. Mm-hmm. But they, every other player personnel decision after that has always been really reactive, if you think about it. It's never been proactive saying, we have a plan for five years down the road, ten years down the road, we know what we're doing. And so I think when Teclosa came in, and I mean, his first moves have been to build this structure. And so I think, and I know I, I am a very impatient Galaxy fan, I will fully admit it. I'm a total brat when we lose and I get annoyed. Um, but I think we need to be a little bit realistic about the fact that we are dealing with a club that planned for the next game and not for the next year, two years, three years. And these are the kind of games that you're going to get when you have a roster like that. Right. Well, that's what I was trying to get at with um, Escalothum now. I, I do feel like that he is looking long-term um, with our roster, but you're right until they, until they figure it out, until they get it together, this is this is what it's going to look like. And if, um, if you look at the moves that Teclos has made in the back room, it's been a lot more about... I've kind of mentally been working on this theory. Where I think this first year of GBS and DTK, and we really need to stop having three or four named people and abbreviating it to three or four syllables because <laughs> I have bad dyslexia, and oh. it's going to turn into GTK and... Look, I already had texted uh, DTS or something. I tweeted yeah, exactly. and somebody was like, who's DTS? And I go, dang it, you guys know DTK. <laughs> like it's, it's going to happen. It's going to continue to happen. But I think a lot of what Teclosa has done in the back office has – I think what he's doing this first season, walking into this organization, they fired out uh, Brian Kleban, who was the U18 um, head coach of the academy, and that's usually the – kind of the indicator of where they think that development of this club is going. They fired him out um, because of, it was a weird kind of situation. Um, his brother was also kind of trying to scam some players into going to Europe, uh, leaving the galaxy on freeze and stuff like that. So it was a weird situation, but also I think he wasn't long for this world. What to close. It was in charge on um, and to close. I mean, one of his first moves in power was he sent a Jersey to every, pretty much almost every Academy kid's family with, their name on the back and like the number that they wore for the Academy teams and said, like, you are an important part of our future. We want you to stay with us. We want you to be a part of this. Yeah. That's one thing when I, when I went to their, well, Escaloto's um, press conference of his day, you know, his signing, um, definitely that's what he was talking about was, was bringing them up from the academies. I, I think that that is, what we're trying to build, like you said, long-term, we are thinking like three, four years or longer down the line. That's where they come from. Yeah. And I mean, Teclos has also made some pretty kind of ridiculously good deals in terms of player acquisition for the first team. I mean, you're talking about Antuna, like a guy that really everyone was sleeping on. He was in Groningen in the Netherlands and then at Korczyk, uh, which has basically become a Manchester United or a Manchester City feeder, uh, feeder club, excuse me, and pulled him out of there 
and gave him like entire amount of confidence. If you think like Antuna's stats in the Eredivisie were not great. I mean, he scored zero goals in 2000 minutes, but he comes to LA and this is a player that like is oozing confidence. You talk about Fabio Alvarez brings him on loan from Atletico Tucumán, who's having a pretty good season in Argentina. I mean, convinces Jonathan Dos Santos to stay after, you know, after his brother <laughs> handling the geo situation with about as much tact and class as possible. And it was not, it, and it was definitely not an easy situation to handle. He brings in Polenta on a free, which is an incredible kind of piece of business considering how loved Polenta was uh, for his club team in Uruguay, uh, which I, I think it's not seen all, but I don't have it written down right now in front of me. I apologize. Um, so Teclos has kind of shown some shrewd moments, but I think this first year of Teclos's tenure, shall we say, is going to be built around stuff that we tangibly cannot see. And then next year, we'll start seeing a little bit more of that, I think. Well, I definitely hope so. I know that. I mean, like I said, you could argue that the Galaxy haven't had a really, truly good season um, since they won MLS Cup in 2012. Um, because 2014... You know, yeah. Well, yeah, but they are. The West Cup is a good season. <laughs> like, no, I'm, yeah, no, obviously, but I mean, but I mean, the argument is that it was carried literally by Landon Donovan, and was Keen with us in 2014, or yeah, was it still? Yeah, that's what I thought. So it was Keen and Donovan that um, that that they said is the reason that we won. Yeah, but I mean, Martinez and Amiron dragged Atlanta to an MLS Cup last year. Yeah, that's fair. I'll take it. Like, I mean, it's also a second year new franchise, but <laughs> yeah. when, when you win a title, it's a good season. I don't care how you do it. When you win a title, it's a good season. Well, then, well, then I was going to say, then we're going back to like that Sounders reference. Right? Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll take that up. Um, no, but look, I mean, that's, that's the thing. I mean, you know, DC United is only one star behind us. So we're definitely feeling the urge, uh, feeling that kick of, Hey, we're the champions of this league. Okay. We've got, yeah, way more, um, you know, other, like we've got silverware. <laughs> That's yeah, the whole exactly. thing with our, with our club and, and keeping that up. And, you know, when we had second place recently, like we were so close to getting first and that's the kind Columbus of, standards game. <laughs> yeah. That's the kind of that's the kind of standards that we have in, and that we want to see, which is why you're, you're seeing the fans, you know, up in arms and, and everybody's like, you know, shouting at the stadium, like for both, like cheering. And then also that frustration. And exactly. again, we have, we ha- I mean, that's great to have the standards that we have to be realistic with what, with what we've got. Um, do I think that, I mean, nobody, first of all, look at this league. <laughs> nobody is down and out for the and cup this year. I mean, nothing, last nothing year, makes sense in this league. <laughs> no, not at all. I know. And I'm playing a prediction game with like LA's are like, what is, am I doing? That is the, that is, that is the, I'm playing MLS fantasy and I have no idea what I'm doing either. So I totally understand. Oh, there you go. So yeah, exactly. So, you know, but that's, that's part of the fun of it, but nobody's out down and out yet either. I mean, I know we're a quarter of the way in the season, but you know, last year I, I had Atlanta pegged. Um, for the cup, you knew that Toronto wanted it. You know, you knew the Sounder Sounder, and so like, yeah, Sounder, Seattle, Seattle. Sounder. <laughs> you know, like you know, and and so no, that's why. Like, I think that not only can we make the playoffs this year, and I know everybody was like, "Yo, we said that last year, so that the year before." It's true, but this year, for real though, like I really think that as soon as this team can just get that click, man, we we can be contenders for the cup. I I think Alvarez might be that guy. Um, I was really... Uh, from, uh, Fabio. Oh, God, now we have two of them. <laughs> yeah. um, 
<laughs> I, I think it was. I think uh, someone tweeted. I was like, it was the first Alvarez for Alvarez switch in MLS history, and it was just like, oh good lord, it's gonna be <laughs> awful for me trying to tweet out about games. Yeah, really. um, yeah, I was already having trouble. <laughs> I also want him to be called Fabio in a slightly kind of just selfish, just make lame jokes kind of way, but yeah, we'll roll with him. Um, but I think Fabio Alvarez, from what I think, a lot of people looked at his stats in uh, at Tucumán and were kind of like meh, but. I think what we yeah. saw on the field was this is a guy that isn't necessarily going to be the guy on the end of things. He's not going to be the guy that plays the pass to do it. He's going to be the setup guy. He's going to be the secondary assist guy. Like He's going to be the guy that facilitates all this. And I think it's going to take some pressure off of guys like Corona, guys like Legette, guys like guys, and, and Jonathan Dos Santos in a, in, in a quiet kind of way has also been trying to quarterback this, this attack. I think Alvarez just adds another kind of outlet that I think they might have needed. Um, mm. That being said, I, I, with Alvarez, I mean, I'm assuming Alvarez is probably starting every game. You bring him in from, you know, Argentina. I mean, Choloto has been apparently pursuing him since 2016. So Choloto oh, sees wow. something he really likes. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how the starting 11 goes from here when Zlatan does return after the Orlando game. Um, but I think, I think if, if Fabio can really get it going, I, I, I like what I see. I don't think, I, I know you said you believe this team is a cup contender. I'm not going to go that far just yet. There are, <laughs> I really love my team too, so <laughs> I know you like, do, but yeah, <laughs> I guess I still got stars in my eyes. <laughs> born, born and raised, I, I mean, I was in the building for 2012, 2014, 2011. I, I, those days were some of my favorite days, but I just, I, there's something, I don't know if it's necessarily something that's tangible that you can go out on the international market and get for a player, or if it's something a little bit deeper in terms of club culture right now, that's just missing that I felt around those teams that won MLS cups and did that in the way they did. So gotcha. I think we're close. I, I, I truly believe we're close. And I mean, look, everyone's going to scream. The sky is falling, you know, meteors coming, whatever <laughs> twilight zone moment. Um, we lost to Colorado at home, but I mean, this league is insanely wacky. Yeah. Like, we lost, I mean, one season, we, I mean, we're dominating. We lose, we go to Orlando, we lose 4 nil. Like, and that was Orlando's expansion season where Orlando really didn't have a workable roster. Like, th- this is one of those games where I think there are a lot of things that we need to adjust and we need to look at. I mean, pulling out left back, for example, I, I, as I look at my notes, 31st minute, pulling out left back, not great. Um, mm-hmm. Stuff like that. But I also kind of think, like, there will be results in this league that we will play games where there's one or two games every season where it's just, wow, that was just a weird result. Like just nothing happened according to, to plan. And I think this falls on that. I'm assuming. Okay. Cause against NYCFC, I felt like it was sheer unlucky that we didn't score, you know, Pontius hitting the ball off the crossbar like that. First day weekend that we couldn't score. I was so disappointed. Right? <laughs> right. But like this game, I didn't, I, there wasn't really a strong time where I felt like, oh, this game should be up to zero. Instead, I felt like, dude, if if Colorado wasn't such garbage, we would be down to zero. Dude, Kamara had two two or three chances for one on one with the keeper. Just what was he thinking on some of those? I was like, man, I don't know, but we were. I was okay with it. I was okay with it. But Kamara just tossed some shots wide. Where I was just like, dude, th- th- uh, it's easy. Yeah. But yeah. um. I mean, honestly, this game probably should have ended like three two or something like that. It was, it was a wide, it was a wide open game. It really uh, was. And I think it's just a friendly reminder that in a league that 
embraces and emphasizes parody, you're going to get games like this that are absolutely just bonkers ridiculous that don't make any sense. <laughs> and here we are. I mean, if you look at Colorado's past five before this game, I mean, a 3-2 loss to D.C. United. D.C. United's a good team. A 4-1 loss to Chicago, which I I don't know how to explain because Chicago's not that great. Um, they, they lost 1-0 in Atlanta, which is an incredibly difficult place to play. And they somehow got their kind of I mean, losing 1-0 to the juggernaut that is Atlanta is not, you know, a bad result. And then it's a 3-2 loss to Vancouver, and then a 3-2 loss to RSL. Like, they were playing pretty decently before this. However, all of those were losses. Right. <laughs> and the Galaxy really probably should have won this one 3-2, I think, if, yeah. if kind of looking at everything. Well... You know, I'm glad that Colorado didn't punish us more for our mistakes, but um, we didn't capitalize on Colorado's mistakes. We didn't Agreed. capitalize, yeah. And it and it comes back to this other thing where I think we need to say we need in the summer window if they can find the cap space to do it, and it's going to be. I mean, it's going to be difficult because the Galaxy have have been very vocal about the fact that they are kind of up against it in terms of cap space. They yeah. need to go find a striker that when Ibrahimovic can't go, that they can play and feel confident that he will score goals. Absolutely. Absolutely. So everybody's been, been crying for, I mean, you know, uh, Alessandrini, I mean, I don't know he's not a striker, but I kind of look at him as his, his position that, that he was playing, um, there, you know, after Kamara, our Kamara left. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean like who, who, yeah, exactly. Who do we have to score goals now? Well, that's why they brought up Ethan Zubak, I almost thought. And then Zubak's not getting the time. It's, I mean, like, you know, what's the worst that happens, you know, mm-hmm. at this point? You give give the kid the minutes. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, and that's why I was looking like, okay, Alvarez, he'll take those shots. Antuna, wide and high, I don't care. He's taking shots. Yeah. Um, you know, Botang's going to Botang and try to <laughs> try to uh, take shots that, yeah, just don't quite work. But um, Botang's squat routine, man. His legs are massive. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah, he's got the speed still. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and again, legit too. Like I felt like he's passing when he should be taking shots. Um, so I know that we have their their idea of who we have, who should be scoring the guys up top. Um, but I I say at this point, like you said, we've got nothing to lose. Like just free for all, guys. Take a shot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Take a shot for yourselves. You know, I mean, like you said, it was a little weird that Felcher was coming up so close to the box like that to be able to, to get a shot in. But I'm all for it. Um, or at least if they could cross, like do like get across. Um, instead, it looks like when I'm playing FIFA PS4. <laughs> honestly, I was like, no. I mean, it's. It, 33 crosses from open play against Colorado to a guy to Boateng who's five. I, again, I don't have his stats in front of me, but I'm going to say, <laughs> but I'm going to give, I'm going to give him five, seven benefit of the doubt on that. If you w- maybe he wakes up at five, seven and then, you know, just I'm gravity pulls him down through the day. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> and then Antuno who's, you know, not over six feet. It's at that point when you know, when you're, when your game plan is built around, crossing to a guy that's six five and then you can't oh adjust God, to Boateng's it five nine i am so sorry Boateng. whoa I'm, just like... I'm sorry too wow <laughs> oh, almost as tall as i am that's ridiculous um 
Whoops. The episode in which we figure out boating is true height and are completely embarrassed. Uh, yeah, really, but okay. I guess anyway. that's the title of this episode. But still. True heights. True heights. True heights, true, low, true lows. Um, oh, there you go. But yeah, I just, I, there's got to be a, a, another game plan for when Zlatan isn't there. And I worry that it's not there yet. I know, because here we go to another winnable game against Orlando. Um, and I feel like best result would be a draw right now. Uh, especially traveling to Orlando on the road. Yeah. It's time of year, Friday night game, probably going to be pretty heavy atmosphere. And Orlando is still a tough place to play, no matter how bad they've kind of had a run of it recently. And Orlando's not been the tire fire that I think we all remember it to be. Um, the new head coach that they have from uh, Louisville City has actually kind of done a very good job of stabilizing the team. Um, they're not impressive, and they're not. I mean, they won't win you. They won't win games with like you know just incredible skill on the ball and pretty passing or whatever. But they work hard. They're a tough team to play. And this is a game where you know it's one of those games where I, I a draw would be fantastic. And you know, just get something going in the positive column. Like, even if it's just a point, like it looks a lot better than zero points on the, on, on the score sheet at the end of the day, you know? Right. But then Zlatan comes back when we're home. And then that's when it makes you feel like now they got to get their groove back again. Well, they get the revs at home for Zlatan's first game back. And you know, Zlatan's going to be in a bit of a mood. Um, Cause he, Always, he always handles every single time MLS slaps him on the wrist so eloquently well, doesn't he? Um, <laughs> heavy sarcasm implied there. Um, but uh, I think, I mean, you get the revs, but then they're also going to have this that weird new manager balance with Bruce Arena coming to the sideline. What a story, by the way. <laughs> Bruce Arena saved his first game on the New England Revolution sideline for his return to Los Angeles at the stadium where he just completely commanded the league for four years. What a yeah. story. It's going to be awesome. That's why you got to love MLS. I know, right? Hmm. I wish we had had more more journalists and writers who would just kind of pump up these stories, like these kind of weird, weirdly poetic MLS moments. I mean, I was thinking about it today with the retirement of uh, Demarcus Beasley. Yeah, uh, I saw that. Who, I mean, I'm surprised he's retiring and not going to the World Cup in whatever, four years' time. Um, Mm I was fairly confident he had the fountain of youth somewhere in his basement. He just wasn't telling anyone. Um, But uh, like those kind of quirky stories that U.S. soccer in general has that I don't think we do a very good job of, um, I guess, of, of, of saving and savoring and celebrating. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that you said that. I'll totally pitch this to uh, my fellow MLS females um, for those poetic moments. I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, you know, we were talking about feeling old before the pod started because of how long we've been Galaxy fans for. I mean, um, I wish I had, could say since 96. I knew of them in 96 because of a classmate, but I didn't get over to a match till 2005. Uh, when it was the Home Depot Center, but uh, I know, right? Oh, um, yeah, but but you know, with with I think this is Howard's last season, and with Beasley retiring, and you know Dempsey already had retired. Like we're we're seeing we're seeing a new generation, a new wave. Um, you know, they did release the the roster for the Gold Cup. Um, so I think it was interesting you mentioned like this changing of the guard. Because I, I was thinking about that this morning too, when I I had seen the news that uh, 
DeMarcus Beasley called it. And it is kind of a weird thing, right? Like these are players that we grew up with, that we were so familiar with that we, I mean, Dempsey, you know, all these other guys that, you know, the guys that were heroes on a national level. um, I mean, Mm -hmm. for them to be retiring and stuff like that, it's just, it's, it's a bit oddly unsettling in a lot of ways. Um, But it's also really exciting because we're seeing this really exciting crop of talent, um, not just on a, on a U.S. men's national team level, but on a, just a general sport level in this, in our sport, like starting to come to the fore. I mean, Efron Alvarez is going to be a player that, you know, we saw him when he was starting at 16 and then, you know, yeah, that's wild. Talk about stuff (laughs) like that. I mean, like we've got, there's so much kind of exciting future that it's, it's, it's cool. It's, it's an interesting, uh, an interesting place to be being in between generations, but, um, Parents listening, play your kids. Play your kids. Uh, play your kids. Um, um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a cool it's a cool world to be in in terms of soccer, just in general. Um, especially yeah. as we as we run to the uh, women's World Cup, I'm excited about that too. So. Yes, are you going to be traveling or anything for that? Uh, I will be there for the entire tournament. I'm actually really you excited. You are going to France. Ah, yeah, okay. I will be in France. It's going to be uh, it's going to be one one heck of a ride. But I'm uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping we can bring back it. I I have conditional tickets for the semifinal and the final so i'm praying we at least make it to the semifinal okay well we gotta there, do an I'll episode with you yeah if you can't do an episode from there we definitely got to talk about it when when you get back i want to hear all about it i would be more than happy to do an oh episode my gosh. From there. <laughs> yes i mean yeah uh counting on it so um oh speaking of u.s soccer then wandalowski beat landon donovan's record um so I'm working on this kind of honeypot theory that uh, Landon Donovan was playing with the San Diego Soccers down in San Diego uh, here, which, by the way, those games were super fun. Uh, it was an absolute shame they lost in the semifinals uh, mm. to, to a really tough Monterey team. But um, I've been working on this theory that he's just been doing that to stay fit, and he's just going to wait until one of us broke the record. <laughs> and then Shaloto's phone was ringing the minute <laughs> that goal went in. Sh- oh, you're busy? Don't, don't, doesn't matter. What's, what's the league minimum contract? I'll sign it. I can drive up from, uh, from La Jolla every day. I got you. I got you. I'm only going to score five more goals? Done. I can do that. Oh, God, I would love that. <laughs> no, but I mean, look, I, I, I know Galaxy fans, and, and I am one of them that do generally have negative feelings toward Chris Wondolowski. I think the way that he celebrated some of the goals he scored against the Galaxy were um, incredibly disrespectful and incredibly uh, excessive. Um, but... From a from a neutral perspective, and from a just a general like looking at his career and looking at you know kind of who he is and what he came from. I mean, coming from like a second division college, not believing that he could ever make MLS, to then becoming this. I mean, I have very negative feelings towards the man, but just objectively looking at what he has gone through, this is an incredible achievement for him. I cannot wait till Landon Donovan comes out of retirement and beats him for it. So <laughs> yeah, fuck San Jose. Um, since, yeah, yeah, we're doing it this this episode. Um. <laughs> um yeah, uh, obviously U.S. soccer. I'll never forget that, that that he missed in front of Belgium. I was standing at a pub that is no longer there. Um. <laughs> I I know I know the, the exact place where I was when uh, I was watching it on a couch with a friend. Uh. It was like it was one of the. Remember that Brazil Cup? There'd be like one match in the morning, and there'd be two in the afternoon. So like, yeah, you always wanted to play the afternoon kickoffs because at least you know it'd be like three o'clock in the afternoon or something like that. Yeah. I remember it was like, it was the nine o'clock game. And it was awful. And we got in like victory champagne. Cause we were like, Oh, we'll beat Belgium. Um, <laughs> Cause I didn't really know the sleeping giant that was the Belgian national team at the time. Right. And of course, Tim Howard just has that incredible performance. Um, 
and then Wando puts it over, and um, hmm. Julian Green scored in that game for us. He scored that kind of wild goal that everyone thought was going to galvanize the team to get it back to 3-3, which was never going to happen. Yeah. So anyway, we were joking around. It's like, oh, we were drinking our, sh- our victory champagne, but it's sadness champagne now. <laughs> oh. yeah. yeah, I was at the Cat and Fiddle, which is, it, it used to be off of Sunset right there, but now it's not. So, um, yeah, exactly. You never forget. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even going back to, to moment, like I, I, if we're talking about kind of just quickly about the, the, the memories that we have with, because we obviously approached the DeMarcus Beasley conversation. I mean, mm-hmm. the 2010 when Donovan goal against Algeria, I think oh. every every U.S. soccer fan who is at least somewhat aware of what was going on remembers exactly where they were during that Ian Dark call. Like everyone does. So, are you ready for this? So, I was sitting on my couch, and like I, I, no religion, guys, if you're listening, but at the time I was sitting there and I prayed to God, and I'm like, God, if Landon Donovan specifically scores. The winning goal in extra time, not even extra time, just in in stoppage time. I will name my firstborn son Landon Donovan, whatever the father's name is. And no joke, that game, Landon does it. And like, I was so happy and everything. And then reality hit me and I was like, I'm going to have to name my firstborn. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. I think I, uh, on that goal, I was, I was also sitting on my couch. I I was also praying to whatever higher deity this this globe um and i celebrated so hard i kicked my table and i actually split my foot open <laughs> oh my god you didn't so I'm, running, I'm running around my place <laughs> with like blood gushing out of my foot just <gasps> celebrating couldn't care less because it was just like such an amazing moment it was amazing and then landon's like crying right there uh and so uh, the 90 minutes off <laughs> the eternal wears off and i looked down and i'm just like oh wow that's that's not how that's supposed to look <laughs> yeah Whoops. <laughs> oh, well, that's great. Uh, I'm so glad to go down memory lane with you. See, the good times, that's the kind of stuff that we remember and why when we're, when we're watching the U.S. team struggle and suffer. And, I mean, I, I have high hopes for them, this Gold Cup, um, of course. I mean, I don't know if you took a look at, at the roster. Um, I briefly looked at it. I think that uh, the – who's the, the person that got uh, on the one-time switch from New Zealand? Um, Taylor Boyd or something like that? Yeah. Um, that's an interesting pick for me. He's been killing it in um, the Turkish league. Um, I would try to pronounce it properly, but I don't speak Turkish. So uh, his club that he's playing for in Turkey, um, which is a very confusing name, um, has he's been killing it for them. I, I think that's an interesting wrinkle from Greg Berhalter, who's also saying he doesn't think his wingers are deep or good enough at this point, I think is what it's saying. Um, I think the Gold Cup's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be... Uh, this, I mean, this is is Greg Bearhalter's first big test, and Bearhalter is quietly and again, Galaxy tied Greg Bearhalter. Um, Greg Bearhalter's quiet, kind of quietly gone about his business, and he's done it in a very excellent way. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see uh, how he handles this tournament. If he views it as an opportunity to, you know, win silverware and, and win the gold cup, or if he's going to treat it as kind of a way to say, like, all right, what do I have here? Because um, that. 40-man roster is, is incredibly wide-reaching, so I'm, I'm interested. Right. Well, that's what I was going to say, too, because, like, Jordan Morris now with his hamstring strain again, um, not sure about that call-up, but um, more interesting to me, too, was, like, finding out what the players' middle names are. Like, Christian's middle name. Same! <laughs> like, mate? Like, what? <laughs> There's some really good ones. Like, I was, like, going through it. I was, like, huh? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, why, why, have I, why am I just learning this? <laughs> I mean, yeah. honestly, we should just have every player's full name on it, every jersey, so we can just like find some <laughs> random middle. Because my middle name is weird, Valor. Because my dad, oh. you know, wanted me to be like upright and valorous or whatever. Oh. And then he raised a uh, a pacifist who's terrified of conflict. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, worked out well there. Um, but yeah, like it's always funny to just see full na- like middle names and just see how like kind of how weird they get. <laughs> yeah, uh, my dad named me after the Beatles song, so that's where Michelle comes from. But my mom got to choose my middle name, uh, Colleen, and people are always like, "Oh, where's that? What's that from?" I'm like, I don't know. I think a baby book. Mom <laughs> liked that name, and she and she chose it. So. The whole entire equivalent of like spinning the globe and pointing to a random country and going there just in the baby book, just you know, whatever that. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, can't can't wait till I have my firstborn son and then I have to name him Landon Donovan. Like I still, I, I'm a big Galaxy fan, but uh, obviously, but I'm just I don't know that I would want to name my kid Landon after all, but I guess I have to or something's gonna happen. I don't, I don't think your kid would be the only child named Landon in Los Angeles after his name <laughs> Galaxy. Is all I'm gonna say. I'm sure. No, I'm sure. I mean, my friend David named his kid Donovan, so it's like, okay. There you uh, go. You know, and then my friend Allison's got a – she named her dog Donovan, so, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I know. Anyway, right? <laughs> well, it's been such a pleasure to have you on. Um, Thank you so much I, for I having me. We'll be talking to you again. Was Were there any other things that you wanted to say while I've got you? Um, Game of Thrones wasn't as bad as everyone made it out to be. Y'all are just whiny crybabies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that. I actually didn't hate the ending is all I'm going to say. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, an entire reason to keep, keep your HBO subscription, uh, learn about some cool history and also very interesting. The Chernobyl series, mini series on uh, HBO is fantastic. That's what I was going to say. Everybody is going to be looking for the next big show. You know, we had breaking bad, um, the Sopranos, uh, walking dead game of Thrones. Now Rome. what's next? Uh, yeah. well, the Chernobyl series is only five episodes, but if you wanted to learn about a very emotionally heavy, moment in history about nuclear physics and everything uh the travel series is absolutely fantastic and there is a cameo from a actor from game of thrones if you remember maester lewin oh yeah so that's good to know <laughs> this is this is just some of the content that you get from my twitter when i'm not talking about the galaxy <laughs> absolutely well i'm actually teaching uh the film class for my afternoon um so this so at my school i teach international students they're adults um you know learning learning english um mm-hmm. and they specifically, my school has a program for filmmaking, and that's Hollywood, right? And yeah. so they actually shoot their films, edit their films, and write scripts and all that in the the morning class. And then the afternoon class is all the fun stuff with me. I get to teach them like um, you know techniques of oh the lighting comes from the side or or above. You know it makes you feel a certain way about a character. Uh, I get to watch movies with them and analyze shots and and go over the writing of specifically things like game of thrones so um you know that's that's what we do and i kind of lost my train of thought a little bit as to why we're talking about this but But, you know um but but you know it's it's part of it's part of being in la and the industry and um like you just said um with cameos and uh students are always looking for something new to watch so i'm glad to be able to recommend that to them do this yeah all right well thank you we'll be in touch thanks you thank you guys for listening stay tuned in uh next week actually i'm gonna be going to kansas city i'll be media for uh mls female through um 
the stadium there. And that'll be really doing fun. Doing cool, do. amazing things. Yeah. And I'm going to be visiting uh, with Araceli, who everybody knows is the uh, is a fellow females uh, MLS female writer as well. And so we'll be doing, we'll definitely be doing a podcast from over there. So, yeah, thanks, Chris. And yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Have a good one. You too.